0: Namaskar and welcome to episode number 17 of understanding consciousness podcast and today we are taking a pause to ponder on what we know about the problem of consciousness and what I personally feel about what I learned in the last 17 episodes from 0 to 16 and what are the old things that have come to my mind While I have been going through this research um, So I'll just... This is just a podcast for as, as a checkpoint um, Taking it easy Gathering ourselves Gathering all the resources Gathering all the thoughts And... Uh, Portraying it at one place here at episode number seventeen, the first thing that I really fascinated. First of all, I am um, a big fan of Very Bad Wizards podcast, and uh, yesterday I heard their latest episode, which is on split brain patients. They have the last two episodes of that podcast have been about consciousness, actually. The first one, the, the the second to last one was um, about Thomas Nagel's famous essay called uh, What is it like to be a bat or something like that. It's about consciousness, about the heart problem of consciousness. And the latest episode is about the split-brain patients. For those who don't know what split-brain patients is, what happened was in the 1950s, they had a new breakthrough in... uh, Breakthroughs are always new. They had a breakthrough in um, (coughs) curing people's epilepsy. This one specific form of epilepsy which was really dangerous uh, to the patients um and the full full brain epilepsy or something like that where the whole brain the left and the right hemisphere are both involved in epilepsy epileptic seizures and um they found a way so the left part and the right part of the brain are connected by this um very tiny bridge Called the corpus callosum, and they realized that if they just cut the corpus callosum and and separate the left and right hemispheres of the brain physically, the seizures stop. And they were like, "Wow, this is a great, uh, um, great operation, great procedure, and cure to fix the problem." Where a person's mind would, if untreated, become really um, a mush because epileptic seizures, depending on what they are, can be really damaging to the uh, neuropsychology. I mean, the the physical and the mental part. I don't know. But what they realized quite late, actually, was that these patients were not normal. They were something. Different about them when after post surgery when left and right hemispheres are are separate, it took a long time to realize that because people behave normally even even with all that they behave normally. Those people with split they, they from the outside they feel very normal and stable. But if you do some experiments on them, you realize that both the parts of both sides of the brain are not actually communicating. Uh, and there are most definitely two different um, centers of consciousness. Two different uh, the left. You can make. You can do these interesting tests, experiments where. Um, you can show the left, because the left part of the brain is controlling the right side of the body and the right part of the brain is controlling the left side of the body. There are these experiments where you can show something, a word or an image to the left eye and show another image to the right eye and then um, they would, the... um, are the what are the specific experiments i don't remember much but you can do you can imagine that you can do a lot of interesting experiments right you can ask the ask the left side of the brain using the left ear just sorry the right ear and the right side of the brain by using the left ear you can ask them a question or you can show them a question written question with just one eye and you can feed these informations to just one part of the brain and um, you can do these experiments. And they realize that there is a strange, uh, f- this is a strange phenomenon. And nobody can figure out whether they have two centers of consciousness or one center of consciousness. Or what is going on, are they communicating. They are definitely not communicating uh, in those patients. But the point is, the, the, the point that some people put forth is, even in normal people like you and me. The corpus callosum is not not a very like a very strong bandwidth bridge. Only only some information can pass through between the left and right hemisphere. Right, it's not not all information from the left part goes into the right uh, right hemisphere and vice versa. So, what makes us say that we are all unified? Do we also have two different centers of consciousness, or whatever that be? You know, are we fully bound together that binding problem that we had started this podcast with the electromagnetic wave theory of uh, electromagnetic field theory of consciousness, which solves the binding problem easily? In that sense, in that case, it'll be very easy to see that okay, still at least the, it's still bound together because it's EM waves. But if you consider the psychoneural theory of uh, um, consciousness, that is just a uh, just a, a result of information processing. Clearly, there is no information processing between in those hemispheres. So, are there two consciousnesses? Are we? Or do we also have a separate hidden conscious, so which is conscious side, which is just looking around, and uh, trying to figure out what to do, what to say. A lot of experiments <coughs> are um, very eye-opening about the nature of such division. You know, so there was these. Um, interesting things that came to my mind Th- that podcast is fascinating this latest episode is so good it's so interesting that i had to stop my stop this paper for one episode and just just talk about that they say this thing uh, which is the self is like the center of gravity they are quoting someone else these two people day. um Tamler, Sommers and um, David Pizarro they are both they're both um, um, one is a psychologist, one is a philosopher and they talk about they quote someone saying that self is like the center of gravity in the sense that a body's center of gravity is not something you can reduce the whole thing into it's it's a it's a conceptual thing. it's there's no real center of gravity where you know, the whole um, the, the, the physical the physical equation doesn't check the center of gravity of each body and then behave accordingly. the the gravitational force does its work on all atoms equally. And as it turns out, the emergent phenomenon is this this fact that the center of gravity is important. Why is something not falling? over because the center of gravity is low you can say that that's a valid reason that's a valid um, theory to explain some phenomenon that you um, came across but it is not something real in the realist sense but it is still real it is a culmination of the whole body's uh, behavior and so is the self in a way it's not some it's not a there is no one place where the self can be we are we are continuously selfing it's a verb we are going through these we are going through these um um moments where we feel like a self in one moment like one self and in another another moment like a different self and that was really fascinating to me that's uh, that you can think of the self in that way this is all this i wanted to talk about but <clears throat> the most interesting thing that i wanted to talk about that came to my mind yesterday after all that was a few years ago, I came across this research by this professor called David Eagleman. Eagleman, not Eagleman, Eagleman, David Eagleman. And this research is um, about um, the fact that your brain can learn new things through this um, subconscious layer you can teach blind people to see or deaf people to hear uh, using this vest with vibratory motors on it. The, the procedure is like that. The, uh, you, you have this vest prepared which has these vibratory motors on on the whole backside of that vest and the, the, the deaf person wears that vest and there is a device that hears or the sound that is coming from the environment and it converts it into um, patterns of vibration on your back and you use those vibrations, your mind... Initially, it'll it won't make any sense, right? Initially, when the first time the wearer wears it, it it would be random um, bits of uh, info, right? Um, but um, slowly, when you, if you train properly, and this is how the training goes, this is how the training goes the person sees a word written in written in front of uh, him on a screen and he or she hears a voice saying that word and that voice, that sound is then converted into waves and the mind, and it's fed through these motors. And the mind... Slowly, as you keep on doing it, these uh, multiple words all over all through the day, in a few weeks, the person, the deaf person, will get a feeling of what the word is just by these vibrations. And one of the most fascinating things, fascinating phenomenon I have come across that a brain can uh, subconsciously learn new sensory data and make sense of that sensory data, make models on it, and then have a, percept- have a perceptory response, have a perception of... The brain can create the perception of hearing who knows what they are perceiving... Um, at that moment, are they actually perceiving the sound, or are is, are their mind feeling it through sensation, body sensations, or I don't know what's happening. It's very fascinating. I think there is something here that needs to be understood by consciousness researchers. The fact that new percepts, new sensory percepts are being formed where none existed before is very very interesting and can tell us something about the 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 way the mind creates perception and the, this uh, this guy david eagleman eagleman he goes on to explain that you can actually feed it any data you can actually feed magnetic fields right somehow the orientation of the magnetic field of the earth can be fed into a bracelet in your hand and in the sense that it can always point it it will always uh, vibrate towards the north pole or whatever and um, what happens is slowly your mind um, learns that way which side is the um, the north pole and I'm fascinated by the fact that what would the mind create uh, the perception as, if it even does, you know, um, you can feed it the the market data, the, the stock market data, the mind, you can feed the mind the stock market data and figure out what comes out of it, what the mind says do... To sell or to buy, you know. Ask them questions about actual financial decisions. Um, all this is very fascinating, and here is where I I really um, this is an idea that I had a few years ago, and I am I'm saying it. I'm sharing it for the first time and maybe it's a stupid idea, maybe it doesn't work, but I think it's worth trying. We can use something like this in order to make a bridge between different conscious minds, right? Mm-hmm. You and me can sit and take in the same data through um, these Wests, um, vibratory wests we can um, share each other's uh, inner mental states through these wests and maybe train on it, maybe make our minds make our brains train on that data, on the new data and maybe there is a chance that we can communicate without using words, just using thoughts and feelings right there is something. There is definitely some kind of communication, some kind of information exchange happening through this channel of vibratory motors. We can we can use it in a different. We can have different um, technological solutions to this. There is another one where um, a blind person um, keeps this um, thing in the mouth on the tongue because the tongue is very sensitive. The back is not very sensitive, right? You can you cannot have uh, the motors quite close together. The vibratory motors cannot be very close together because it will be hard for the back muscles or the back nerves to distinguish between two different motor uh, activations. But the tongue is exceptionally sensitive. And this is one of the devices, this... Um, this lab, or maybe some other lab, created where you have this chip in your on your tongue, and it creates these bubbly sensations as if you're uh, drinking some soda. And, and the difference is that soda can be random activated, activated feelings on your tongue, while this chip will have, of course. Um, the inputs from the um, from the visual aspect of the things, like because visual data is much more bandwidth than audible audit, auditory data. Uh, it's interesting to see how uh, people, and I think pe- some people can learn to see um, rudimentary things from the outside world through this process so there are different technological solutions and I just I'm just fascinated by this possibility that we can do and we can do this and this is if you go back and see my motivation to understand this to read this to learn about consciousness it comes from a sense of trying to communicate with other people without using language uh, why? Because there's nothing wrong with language, ju- just that it's... Um, I personally feel some things are lost by just using language. Some some earnestness and some um, connection, primal connection is lost. Because most of our history as social beings lies... Before we created spoken language, right? Our nearest ancestors used very rudimentary language. Oh, not not ancestors, just cousins or nearest cousins. The rest of the ape family, they use. They might use some language, of course. They use shouts and screams and maybe some words or in, in which we don't understand but it's not as complex language it's it's a rudimentary simple language and maybe that forces them to use body language more and today's in today's political climate that's that's a worthwhile endeavor to have if you can have if you can use all this technology that we have created to go back to the roots of communication um we have all these things we have um we have it in our culture through sound through music and i think music is one of those things music is this this technology where we feel the same way and we de- we are sure we are kind of sure that we are feeling it the same uh way when we are together dancing you know or when we are together singing or when we are in a drum circle and it's Two hours into the drum circle, and everyone is exhausted, but they are into it. And then it creates this um, feeling. It's in capoeira. I I do capoeira, and we have uh, these uh, hodas and in the in the hodas, in the circle, and uh, when we have festivals, everyone is uh, together and exhausted. But we are just we are not communicating apart from singing and dancing and um, playing capoeira, and it's one of the most connecting things you come across the most uh, um, so the point is we already have these technologies in our cultures. All we need to do is cre- add the 21st century technology into the mix and see if we can create something which helps us and I'm I don't know what to do with this I'm really excited with this. Um, revelation and uh, i thought i'll just put it on the podcast Uh, episode number 17 thanks for listening and we will be back to normal research tomorrow or maybe even today because i haven't read anything i've just had this uh, thought and i just wanted to make a podcast episode thanks for listening and see you tomorrow